everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Time for another Spawn Daily. Quick reminder what we're doing. Uh, 30th anniversary of Spawn, 30th anniversary of Image. And being that Rocky and I, neither one of us has ever read the entirety of Spawn, Anton McFarlane has started this new shared Spawn universe and hoping that it grows organically into a shared superhero universe uh, in in the, the Image comic superhero universe, which is sort of nebulous and tenuous at best. And, and certainly in the early issues that we've read, a lot of young blood crossovers and references to other um, other uh, early image titles, you can sort of see that maybe he wanted that all along. But anyway, he started it on his own uh, with Gunslinger Spawn and King Spawn and the Scorched, his Spawn Universe uh, special last year kicked it off. And I, I really want to understand the context and, and be able to to follow those books. But when I read them, there's a lot of references to things that I don't I don't have any frame of reference for because I've never read Spawn. Now, I already had a desire when uh, there was a lot of fanfare and Spawn sort of got back on the radar of a lot of people, myself included, when Todd McFarlane broke the previously held record for longest uh, creator-owned book, which had previously been 300 issues, which was Cerebus by Dave Sim. So... I planned on reading it then. That was a couple of years ago already, and I, I just hadn't found the time. And so finally this year for the holidays, I uh, always like to do something special counting down to Christmas. Rocky and I did 12 days of Spawnmas, and we counted down uh, the days to Christmas by reading the first 12 issues of Spawn. And you know, I hadn't read a lot of that stuff in decades, and uh, I was surprised how well it held up. It was really interesting to read it. I think like I read each of them as they came out and never touched them again. And sometimes there was months between issues because McFarland suffered from a lot of the same delays that a lot of other uh, early image founders did, which, you know, looking back on in hindsight 2020, you can sort of understand. I mean, they were rock stars at the time. They'd started their own company. They were able to successfully break away from Marvel and they had all these people that were wanting to talk to them and they were being pulled in all these different directions. So it's kind of hard, you know, when you get money and attention and all that to just focus on uh just sitting down and creating the book but you know again when you look back on it spawn is is one of the ones that uh that really kind of kept on more of a regular schedule than anything else did so uh, and again a lot of it a lot of the ideas uh really hold up now some of it's of its time in terms of being expositional and there's certainly no subtlety from todd mcfarland in, in in a lot of what's there the bad guys aren't uh must dash twirling per se, but the, there's certainly no redeeming qualities. There's no nuance. Um, and there's a lot of reference to, to 90s stuff, which sort of dates the books and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, it, it's an intriguing story. So uh, really been enjoying it. Been reading one issue a day, talking about it. So hopefully we're going to continue that uh, into the new year. Now, Rocky's had some issues with his daughter's health and he hasn't been able to join me. Hopefully he's going to be back on. It's been quite a few issues now, so uh, hopefully he'll be back on soon. But anyway, let's go ahead and dive into issue 41, which is the issue we're going to talk about today. Uh, we saw in issue 40, well, you know what? Why don't I share my screen and then you can see it for yourself. So yeah, we've got a Capullo cover. And as they've started to do, uh, they, we've got this paragraph of summary here and it, it really sums up what happened in in the in issue 40 very very well so spawn finds several bums messing with his throne unbeknownst to them 
uh, or Spawn, he's, uh, these bumps have booby-trapped it, so the, the throne shocks Spawn, renders him unconscious. They use a forklift, they throw his body in a crate, and they take him somewhere we don't know where at that moment. We check in on Terry and Wanda. They're both trying to understand Spawn's involvement in both the government and their lives. And we also saw that Saigor was out in the wilderness after the guy Chris had uh, basically freed it or awakened it from its slumber in that sort of haunted mansion looking thing. Uh, and when the pursuit by the local sheriff actually put a, a little boy's life in danger, Sigurd actually protected him. So is Sigurd a bad guy? Is he not? We don't know. Um, but the scene then shifts to an unconscious, unconscious spawn as he awakens and he finds out that the guy that booby-trapped his throne was Curse, and he's actually dissecting Spawn to find out how exactly Spawn's body works. Now, I just mentioned that for the most part, partly in thanks to these uh, these summaries, this paragraph of summary on the inside cover, we hadn't seen big dialogue dumps. You know, I've talked in the past couple of issues about not having big walls of text. Um, I guess McFarland just wants to remind us that he's still McFarland because this time for the first time in a long time, when I opened it up, I, I kind of groaned. You can see it's all blacked out. I've blacked it out here because I like to black out the, uh, the words because I don't want somebody to just be able to watch the video and read the comic. Go buy the comic, support McFarland, support Comixology, support comics and read it for yourself. Um, but be that as it may, there was a giant wall of text here talking about Armageddon, talking about who Spawn is, talking about what Spawns in general are, and angels, you know, they're, they're meant to be trained on Earth to then be leaders, lieutenants, whatever, in the armies of heaven and hell when the final confrontation is, uh, is at hand. So a big, big dialogue box, big expositional dump here, um, which... I, I, like I said, I, I don't feel it was necessary. Maybe McFarland, hey, remember, I still do this from time to time. I mean, that's that's all I can think. But uh, then the scene does shift to spawn on this table where he's being dissected. You can see in the background, there's a leg, there's an arm. Curse is talking about uh, how it feels to be trapped in the hands of a superior and to be tortured. And he's talking about, you know, this is how I felt when I was pinned against the wall when you had me. And, you know, you are made of necro flesh or cytoplasm or whatever it's called. And, and that is the, the vessel for evil and evil is what's power, powering you. And I'm going to take you apart piece by piece and find out what makes you tick. And in that way, I'll either be able to take the power for myself or I'll have control over it in that I'll be able to prevent that power from coming to earth again. And in that way, even though he feels abandoned by God, he will have his own power on earth because he will be able to suppress and keep evil powers from, uh, from coming to earth. At least that's what he, that's what he thinks. So he's preparing uh, the different body parts. You can see in the pa uh, panel on the lower right there, uh, he's preparing different body parts to be shipped to different parts of the world. He says he has a bunch of uh, other allies as it were, that, that all have a passion for the purity of God and they're all going to study it and figure out the way things work. And uh, Spawn's sort of left on the table, and uh, he, he kind of passes out, and he's remembering back. And this is the first time we get to flashback and see some history of Al Simmons, like way back when he was just uh, just a teenager in Vietnam, 
And he's remembering a time that, that's similar to what he's going through here, where he was a prisoner of war. So him and one other uh, of his uh, members in his unit got captured. And it's, it's pretty brutal and graphic, actually. So for whatever reason, I don't know, coin flip or whatever, they chose the other guy to cut on first. So they would ask Al Simmons questions. And if he wouldn't answer, they would cut off a piece of his his uh, buddy's body, basically. So it's pretty brutal. Now, his buddy is they both agreed. They both told each other, don't tell Don't tell him anything. Don't betray our the rest of our unit. Don't put the rest of our friends in danger. If we have to sacrifice ourselves, we have to sacrifice. So he had the, this other guy's blessing. Um but it's still brutal. I mean, you see there's a foot cut off, there's a hand cut off, there's an ear cut off, there's a nose cut off, there's a tongue cut out. Like it's, it's pretty brutal. So uh, eventually his buddy dies and then they start working on Al, Al Simmons or they're about to when all of a sudden he's saved. We're told that he's saved by a soldier called Saigon who taught him how to kill, how to be you know a better soldier. But I'm kind of an interesting name like Saigon. So was he... Was he rescued by a Vietnamese soldier? Was it some, you know, was it an American soldier who's just been there for a long time? Like, we're, we're not sure. That's all we get. But enough to, to whet the appetite. I do like, um, I do like what's going on here. And I really like the sepia tones. And I think the art is, uh, is really good as well. Oh, and I, I should say, you know what? We, we read the summary. Let me jump back here. Todd McFarlane, Greg Capullo, Todd McFarlane story, Greg Capullo on pencils, Todd McFarlane ink. So that's pretty standard, except when we have the Tony Daniel issues. Uh, Tom Orzakowski on letters has has been on every single issue to this point, I think. But if you notice, there's a new color artist. We have Brian Haberlin with J.D. Smith and Dan Kemp, and also a special thanks to Danny Mickey. So I did want to point that out, that uh, we have a new uh, color artist on, on the book. And, uh, and Brian Haberlin, I think he sticks with him for quite a while because he uh, he's definitely a colorist that has worked with uh, McFarland Productions for for quite a while. So anyway, like I said, I, I love the the kind of sepia tones and, and getting some history on Al Simmons. Meanwhile, uh, Jason Wynn's gotten out of the hospital. He goes back to his office. Who's waiting for him there? But the violator. So right away in this issue, we're getting a lot of the things that I was sort of nitpicking that we hadn't gotten. We hadn't checked in on Jason Wynn. We hadn't checked in on the violator. We hadn't checked in on Sam and Twitch. We got a little bit of Wanda and Terry. So it seems like McFarland at least was aware, hey, we really need to check on these guys. So um, the violator and Wynn have a conversation and, and the violator basically tells him, Hey, I've been upholding my end of the bargain. You know, uh, you, you got a lot of eyes on you right now, which is really interesting, right? So all this time, Wynn was doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. Nobody was paying him any attention and he was able to manipulate all kinds of things. And now that his, um, his office has been attacked by spawn, all of a sudden he doesn't have the power to manipulate things anymore. Maybe He's worried that people are watching too close or he'll, you know, he can't um, give the appearance of doing something wrong, but his, his power does all of a sudden seem a little bit limited, but he does have the violator there who's uh, making life easier for him. But the violator is like, hey, I'm doing all this stuff for you. I made the spawn attack look like a terrorist attack. Uh, you know, I'm up only my end of the bargain. Uh, you're supposed to be bugging the crap out of my pal spawn. And also tightening the noose around Terry, Wanda, and Grandma Blake's neck. So uh, you better get to work, basically. Uh, and Wynn says that uh, that he will. Meanwhile, we check in on Saigor, who for some reason is just heading south. We're told he's he's not exactly sure himself. 
he just knows that he needs to be headed south. He feels the the draw, the pull to something. And he actually comes across sort of a honky tonk out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a man and a woman in the car. And again, maybe a little of its time. It's not a hundred percent. I mean, the woman's not screaming, but the guy's like, Hey, uh, you know, I love you. Let, let's get it on kind of thing. And she's like, you're drunk. He's like, yes, I am. And she's like, oh, your breast stinks. It's too cramped in here. Let's go back inside. I mean, she's not out and out saying no, uh, but either way, it's an uncomfortable situation. But what we're told is from the outside looking in, Sigor looks at this windows up, young couple activities can't really be seen, conflicting messages. Uh, and for some reason, the, this Sigor, this cybernetic gorilla is thinking rape. And so he literally rips the top of the car off, uh, grabs this guy, uh, and he's kind of like swinging him around and, and freaking out and whatever. Um, so, again, you get that feeling just like the, uh, the gorilla saved the, the little boy last issue that there's something in him. There's something either wh whose ever consciousness got transferred into him or something built in the programming, something that says, hey, he's supposed to be you know, saving people or doing the right thing or whatnot. So once he leaves that area, he continues on his way south. And we do get a couple of three panels here where uh, these guys are supposedly been hired to track him. It sort of feels a little out of place because we don't have any context. We don't know who hired them. I don't know. It just, it feels weird. But even though this is apparently the end of the Saigor, this issue is the end of the Saigor story for now, uh, clearly there's more, more to come. So Meanwhile, Spawn wakes up and he's trying to figure out a way to escape before they ship all his body parts off to wherever. And, um, and Curse comes and removes his brain to figure out how that works. So he's able to hook um, a cart that's next to him and pull it over. It has a lot of the uh, instruments that were used to dissect Spawn. And Spawn literally uh, hacks off his own hand and he's going to use it to try to break out his costume that's his plan anyway um, but what happens is because there's no weight behind it and also the drugs the uh, sedatives they've been giving spawn when he tries to smash into the uh the glass case that's holding the costume the symbiotic costume that's been separated from him it just doesn't have enough weight or power behind it and it's not too long before curse returns and even says hey it's time for my final triumph i'm going to take your brain out and then he realizes oh wait you cut off your own hand. Well, that, you know, that took a lot of bravery, although it was, you know, probably futile. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm glad you're awake because now you can experience these final moments of your life as I, as I remove your brain. Uh, and just as he's about to do that, the costume does break free. So apparently even though it didn't look like the fist was hitting the containment unit hard enough, it did create, uh, we're told, a hairline fracture, which was enough for the symbiotic costume to sense there was a weakness and it uses its power and it uh, escapes and uh, all hell's breaking loose in the lab. And uh, it's, it's literally swallowing up all these different pieces of, uh, of Al Simmons' body. You know, all the ones that were packed up in jars and whatnot and ready to ship out. It's literally, you know, swallowing them up. And the costume does look very alien and symbiotic here, much like Venom, which is another, you know, McFarlane co-creation. So really getting that feeling. And, and really, you get that feeling right from, at least I did, right from the start, based on the timing of when Spawn was created. Um, you know, you hear symbiotic costume. It's the 90s. You're going to think of Venom. 
So, and, and I, I pointed it out because we'll, we'll talk about it more next issue. But anyway, this costume, this symbiotic costume, it needs Al Simmons to be alive and be together and be in one piece. So it makes total sense that once it had a chance, it was able to break free and it's literally swallowing. We're told uh, it rampages now with direction, swallowing the former Al Simmons piece by piece, limb by limb. <laughs> so we see on the, that page, sort of a scarecrow type, we're told version of Al Simmons, like, you know, this, this, alien symbiotic costume has swallowed all the pieces and it's trying to put them back together. But again, it's not a real body. It doesn't heal, you know, just lickety split like a, a real body, not that a real body does, but it doesn't heal at all. Al Simmons has to, you know, expend energy to heal, but it's trying to provide some framework. Um, so at this point, curse is like, no, you're not going to escape. Um, you know, you never start a war, never do anything. If you're, uh, you know, never devote yourself to a cause unless you're willing to die for that cause. And so he's got the whole place booby trapped, actually, and uh, he manages to hit the detonator. And the issue ends with the uh, the whole castle exploding. And we're told next issue, the aftermath. So really fast paced issue, a lot of action, some great artwork. I mean, that that explosion. Um First of all, just the the, the hideout on, on the hill <laughs> looked great. Curse is, you know, an interesting megalomaniac fanatic. Um, a lot of the scenes with the costume where it's breaking out and flowing around like this sort of liquid goo are interesting. The the helpers of Curse that look like little Jawas, little, um, little gremlins of some sort are interesting. So, Really enjoyed the uh, the great Capullo art. Also, for the first time, we got to see Capullo draw Cygor, who I, I sort of like the uh, the rendition of of Cygor that Capullo gives us. It's it, it's got a little bit more of a defined shape and looks a little bit more robotic. And then, of course, the the flashback issues, which uh, are also drawn really really well, and some uh, great color work from from Brian Haberlin. So. Yeah, really fast-paced issue. We didn't check in on Wanda and Terry, but we did check in on Violator and uh, and Jason Wynn. So I appreciated that. Some context for Al Simmons. So yeah, all in all, a really really solid issue. Now, you know, being that we were told that we were going to have the end of the story with what we got last time with the gorilla issue, I I really feel like we didn't necessarily. I mean, it's not terrible. Um, because now it's like, okay, we told you we we're going to get the end. Now you're going to get the aftermath of what happened. Did Spawn survive? Or what kind of shape is he in? What Cygor really doing? Like, there's still a lot of stuff, still a lot of stuff to be decided here. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it was, that it's all wrapped up, but that's sort of Spawn, right? And that, that's, that's what one of the things I love about the story. Yes, it's of its time. You can certainly see right here that it's not like McFarlane is writing for the trade, right? I mean, that wasn't even a thing at this time. Not that you couldn't collect these stories, but there are threads that run much longer than four or six issues. And that's what I love. So even when we're told, ah, we're going to get the resolution and maybe we don't, if you get an ending. And then maybe that just means that that particular character is going to go sit on the shelf for a while, like the freak uh, or like Curse did until he showed up last issue. So I don't mind it necessarily, um, but I don't know that we necessarily need to say things like 
Oh, next issue, we get the end of the Cyborg story or, or what have you, because none of this is really the end of the story, especially when we know there's, you know, 300 and, or 280 more issues to come, right? So uh, anyway, it was a really fast-paced issue, really enjoyed the art, uh, and we'll see what issue 42 brings. So I uh, really appreciate everybody joining as always, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.